Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Tuesday. Awesome show planned for you today. Uh, we're not going to waste a bunch of time. We're going to get right into it. The only thing I want to do before I get into it is give you some instructions. 5,000 likes on this show. This show is tremendous. Trust me, I promise. Start banging that like button right now. Hop into the comments. Make sure you're hitting subscribe. Make sure you're getting the notifications when the show starts. This show today is tremendous. Those of you on Apple, please keep doing what you're doing. You're slamming us with five-star reviews. It's very simple. You do this, you help us fight the algorithm. You write a little review in there, it helps us fight the algorithm. That's what the likes are about. That's what the comments are about on YouTube. That's what hitting that five-star review is about on Apple and other podcast platforms. Help us continue to fight the algorithm so this show becomes more and more popular. You have your job to do, I have my job to do. My job is to deliver you a great show and that's what we're about to do today. We're going to talk about Justin Pearson, the one of the Memphis Three. He's become very popular, or Memphis Three, the Tennessee Three, the, the three people that help <clears throat> organize the, the miniature insurrection at the Tennessee State Capitol a week or two ago. Uh, the guys that, the two guys, the two black guys that were expelled, Justin Pearson being one, Justin Jones being the other, they overtook the well of the Tennessee uh, Capitol, the House of Representatives in Tennessee, <clears throat> and the Republicans expelled them. I think Justin Pearson has already gone through a process in Memphis where he will eventually, he's gonna be reinstated. But as more and more information comes out about these guys, I think it tells a very important story about these guys are all actors. All of this activism is really activism. And what you're about to see, what we're about to show you about Justin Pearson, is he's what we would call a trans activist. And I don't mean that he's not switching genders, but he's certainly switching roles. And so let's just start <clears throat> with the baseline of, here's Justin Pearson, speaking from the floor of the Capitol of the House of Representatives, doing his full-on MLK impersonation. Let's watch this. Yes, I tell you, it was a sad day on Saturday. All hope seemed to be lost. Representatives were thrown out of the state house. Democracy seemed to be at its end. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But all oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last, but oh, we have good news, folks. We've got good news that Sunday always comes. Resurrection is a promise, and it is a prophecy. It's a prophecy that came out of the cotton fields. It's a prophecy that came out of the lynching tree. It's a prophecy that still lives in each and every one of us in order to make the state of Tennessee the place that it ought to be. And so I've still got hope because I know we are still here and we will never quit. Weez is still his, and Weez was never quit. I mean, th this is full-blown Chicken George meets Martin Luther King. Full-blown. And 
These people are phonies. They're paid activists. All of, none of this stuff is on accident. This is Colin Kaepernick 2.0. This is Sean King, you know, the white dude that spent the past seven, eight years pretending to be black and an activist. Dr. Martin Luther Cream, Talcum X, that Sean King. That's what we're looking at. Another Sean King, another DeRay McKesson. Did you know that DeRay McKesson, you remember him from Black Lives Matter, always wore the little blue vest, the, the LGBTQ uh, soldier, the Alphabet Mafia soldier, DeRay McKesson. This is just another version of that. I don't know Justin Pearson's sexuality, but he's another one of these young people that's been bought and paid for and been outfitted for a clown suit and rushed out to the stage to go play woke and to go play black activists. And so seven years ago, when he was a senior in college or something called Bowden College, some, some, some college in Maine, but before he was Mr. Pro-Black Activist, he was off in Maine somewhere going to college, probably getting trained and transitioned while he was off in the Northeast. But here he is, compare his state capital speech to the way he was just talking in 2016 when he wanted to be student body president. Watch this. Hey everybody, I'm Justin J. Pearson, and I'm running for president of BSG. There are a few reasons that we're running this campaign this year. One has to do with representation. How can we represent all voices in a conversation? I want to do this by partnering with organizations from the Boone Democrats to the Boone Republicans. I want to bring together different voices, dissenting voices, voices that may be more liberal or more conservative, in order that we can reach a point of sort of the radical middle, where conversation and dialogue happens and growth happens. Right now, we have tensions on our campus that can only be resolved by understanding one another. And creating those forums and those spaces will be a part of the legacy I hope to lead as the BSG president. BSG must also work better as a liaison between students and administration. Not working for administration, but bringing the concerns, the values, and the beliefs of students by listening and engaging with the student body to administration, not for administration. Next, we really want to work on safety and security. This year has shown us the challenges we have on our campus and in the Brunswick community. So I want to make sure that we're working with BPD to build in security to make our campus a safer place for all students. And that includes working with people like Benji Douglas to make sure that we're working on sexual assault prevention here on our campus. There are many issues that we can work together to solve. And that includes working on institutionally environmental issues. That includes building better connections with residential life, of which I'm a part. But I can't do this alone. And we can't win this election without you going out and voting. So join the People's Pearson campaign and let's chart ourselves to a better future. Thank you. Join the Justin Pearson campaign and let's make this college campus a better place for everybody. We're going to fight climate change and sexual assault and everything. Help join us.
How you go from that to let's rewind just 20 seconds of of him speaking at the state capitol. Just, you just saw this man seven years ago, a senior in college. This is what Democrat politics do to that young man. Him at the Capitol. Let, let, let's hear him again uh, with his whatever Martin Luther King impersonation. Yes, I tell you, it was a sad day on Saturday. All hope seemed to be lost. Representatives were thrown out of the state house. Democracy seemed to be at its end. Seemed like the NRA and gun lobbyists might win. But oh, that was good news for us. I don't know how long this Saturday in the state of Tennessee might last. But oh, we have Cut good news. This is like a Saturday Night Live clip, man. This is a skit. They done made this dude play dress up, put him in Angela Davis's hair, and gave him Martin Luther King's voice, go out there and play black for the folks. We're going to put it on camera, and we're going to build you into a star. And we're really going for this. The, 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 everything, I, I took a lot of heat early on in 2016 when, when Ka Kaepernick first started this stuff. And I said, hey, man, this is phony. This isn't him. Th th this is someone's put a battery in his back. Nike has put a battery in his back. Grow that afro out. Put some cornrows in. We're going to put you in a little Wakanda Black Panther outfit. You run out there and play hyper stereotypical black man, Colin. It, it, Colin Kaepernick sounds just like Justin Pearson. If you go back to his college days and the early days of his NFL career. And then out of nowhere, boom, let's put him in all black. Let's grow his hair out. Let's put a hot comb through his hair and let's run him out there as uh, Huey Newton. And we all went for it. That's what they think we're idiots and suckers. And perhaps we are. Or, or perhaps they, they, this whole social media thing, Twitter and Facebook and Instagram is so good at controlling and promoting groupthink. This stuff is embarrassing. Last clip I want to play you is just, let, let's play a clip of him preaching, I think this past Sunday, talking about the mother God and talking about ancestors speaking through him or whatever. This is demonic, what he's doing. And who's the money behind it? Who's pulling the puppet strings? Is it us? Or is it the same group of people that founded the NAACP and put a battery in W.E.B. Du Bois's back and put batteries in Martin Luther King's back? Who's paying for this? Who's financing? Who's promoting this? Who's pulling the puppet strings? Who's telling us this is how to behave in public? This is how to lead. Let's play the demonic clip of him speaking at the church. 
Well, y'all, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I'm so glad to be in the house of the Lord with you this morning. Would, Would you mind going ahead and praying with me now, Mother God, Creator God, loving God, holy God, take this, your servant, made from dust and connect it with the raw materials of stardust to speak in this moment, to say something that brings forward the word you placed into my heart. I accept my unworthiness for such a task as bold as this, and I seek your guidance as you use me and speak through me. To the ancestor preachers who made sermons from hymns, moans, and groans, and spirituals from the bondage of slavery, speak now through this, your descendant. To the black women locked out, being abused, tormented, raped, eradicated, and yet born a new and distant future in this country, and to a young colored boy named me, I name you now my great-grandmother Anna Ruth, my great-grandmother Flossie, my great-grandmother Everline, my great-grandmother Lavinia, my grandmother Pearson, my grandmother Gwen, my own mother Kimberly, to the preachers who preached before me, and will now to my own daddy Jason, my pawpaw, my granddaddy, my uncle, and my auntie before me, to you, loving God. Father, mother, sister, brother, sibling, and friend, preach. If it is my voice, I promise I'll lose it for you. If it's my hands, I'll clap them for you. If it's my feet, let them jump praising you. Whatever it is, God, you use it so a word of justice and love might come forward in these moments. This we ask in Jesus' name. Together we say amen. This is sickening. Delano has written a column about Justin Pearson and just what's going on with this whole class of alleged black intellectuals and trans activists. And that has nothing to do with their gender. It's just this transition that black leadership seems to be going through. Who gets put out there by the system, by the puppeteers in Hollywood and in the media and in academia. How are they they selecting these people and what are they doing? I told you I have a young relative who's doing very well at a private Catholic school in Indianapolis, being recruited by the Ivy League schools. And, and, And I've said, I've questioned like, why let her go to an Ivy League school and see her stripped? of every biblical value she has and be programmed for this transgender movement? Are we sure you want to send her off to one of these Ivy League schools where they're going to convince her they're doing her a favor and then for doing her that favor, they're going to require that she adopt all of their values that will have nothing to do with God? I've asked this question. Didn't get the answer I want, but this is what they're doing to our kids and young people. They're being programmed and radicalized and turned into puppets and clowns to serve other agendas that have nothing to do with us. And that's what Delano's column uh, gets at today. Delano, uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, Before we go full bore just into your angle on this, just your take on the, don't they call this code switching? 
when you go from one voice to another voice and just his, the transformation of this young man's personality, your take on that? Well, Jason, I've been <laughs> to the mountaintop. <laughs> I'm not even going to uh, do any more than that. Um, I, I'm not surprised. You know, college is where a lot of people find themselves. Um, funny enough, I remember being in college, and even though I was an engineer, um, I remember going to, I think it was like a spoken word thing, and I had written out part of Dr. King's mountaintop speech, and I actually tried to, to say it um, in, in that type of cadence. Now, I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in New York in a, in a family from the West Indies, so it obviously it didn't take because that's not how I'm used to speaking or that's not how I was used, that's not the type of cadence I was used to hearing. But if you listen to enough MLK tapes or, or you know, video from other, other preachers, particularly Southern preachers, you can sort of pick it up and mimic it. Um, but, but I think, I'll say this, one, um, the big difference between Justin Pearson and Colin Kaepernick is uh, Pearson, I think his father was a preacher, um, and I think he has probably obviously more of a, a connectedness and rootedness with his sort of ethnic identity. Obviously, he's cosplaying. That's, that's obvious. But I think a big part of this is that black folk, young black people, men and women, um, who build an identity on oppression and marginalization, but grow up in middle class, you know, or upper middle class environments with parents who love them, feel a certain pressure to put on a particular facade in order to signify that they are authentic. Now, we've talked about this when it comes to somebody like John Morant, and that's certainly one direction you can go. You can go the street hood direction, but there's another direction where a lot of young people go sort of the, the civil rights activist revolutionary direction, and I, and I think that's what Pearson has fallen into, and, I, and, I, and I've seen it. Um, it. It's, again, kids who grow up middle class. I think we talked about this the other day, Jason. The, the guy who led the one of the protests at Mizzou a, a number of years back, the, the black student who said there was so many racial incidents in Mizzou, his dad was like the VP of some Fortune 500 company. But, but when you're that removed because of your wealth from, from the broader community, you have to do things to show people, hey, I'm really down. And, and I think part of what Justin Pearson is doing is remaking himself in an image he feels is more palatable to, to black voters and, and black culture more generally speaking. So, I mean, it is funny. It, it certainly makes for good content. Um, I, I think, you know, people like us are feeling, we're gonna be very full after today, because this is, I mean, you put these clips back to back and, and it just goes to show you, you know, how, how much of politics is, is purely theater. Um, it, it is, it's a complete facade. And, and this is the last thing I'll say, um, in, about this topic, it works because he understands that many of the people who will listen to him, particularly black folk, um, are afflicted with the Selma syndrome. And anything that can get people to think back to the 1960s works in, uh, to the benefit of Democrats. So as long as black folk have our collective heads turned 60 years in the past, 
they understand, Democrats understand that they can fleece us right right now in, in, in the present and certainly rob us of our opportunities moving into the future. So he's doing it to showcase his blackness and fit in and uh, appeal to black voters. But my problem, what I think you point out in your column today is he wants to appeal to black voters while serving the interest of the transgender community and the progressive agenda that has nothing to do with black people. Absolutely. And I'm glad you mentioned his quote unquote sermon from Easter because he started with a prayer to, to mother God and then it just devolved from there. He had multiple references to transgenderism, to trans health care, to uh, he, he referenced a, a biblical passage Queer. about picking up. Yeah, he, he, he said to, you know, we who are black, we who are poor, we who are queer about picking up the snakes of transgenderism. So, again, he's he's linking this to um, a biblical text. And, and, and really, you know, my piece is about Justin Pearson, but it's bigger than him, because over the last month or so, it, it is obvious that some memo has gone out from Party Central and every single black man on the left who wants to um, attain or maintain a position of prominence, of influence, of wealth, has had to bend the knee as it relates to, to this issue. And, and the central point of my piece is that the, the black men who went from leaders in the civil rights movement have become followers in the trans cult. And we, we talked about it last week with Kevin Blackstone, William Roden. You know, I talk about it in my piece. I, I added in Eric Adams, I added in Torre, your friend Eli Mistal from MSNBC, uh, Mark Lamont Hill, the person who throws baby showers for men during his spare time. D- down the line, if, if you're a man of the left and, and you wanna keep your position, you, you have to signal a certain obedience to this movement and, and what they're going to do to Pearson and what they have done already, obviously, to Pearson is say, look, we, we will offer you something. We will make you a prominent national star. But he doesn't understand that that means that he can't speak out against certain things. So, so he's got golden handcuffs, as, as they all do, um, and a rainbow muzzle. And that's why they they will not and cannot speak on any of these issues. And 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 really what the left does is say, we, we, we love guys like Justin Pearson because Justin Pearson allows the left, the liberal left, to have a certain level of cultural um, competency, cultural capital, and moral authority. Because they can point and say, look at these black men. These are black men that know what it's like to fight for civil rights, right? And, and, and they spend their days helping to push forward our agenda so that William Thomas now becomes the new Jackie Robinson and quote unquote gender affirming care um, now becomes the new effort to desegregate hospitals. And these guys think that they are radicals and revolutionaries, but as I say in my piece, and I end off this way, they are nothing but the black face of Lupron liberalism. It's this 
I, Justin Pearson, your information about his dad being a minister. I just, how does his dad, who maybe he's not in the picture anymore, I don't know, maybe he's dead, maybe he's around, but how does he square that transgender thing with his biblical upbringing? And again, that, that's what I find so offensive. It's like, I'm going to mimic the behavior of a minister. I'm going to go to church and represent myself as a minister. And part of my job requirement is to sell the transgender thing as consistent with scripture. It can't be done, but they're doing it. And, and, and it's all because somehow they've, they've made our identity oppression. And so mm. anybody that can claim they've been oppressed, we see as an ally. And, and it, it, it's just, it's amazing. It's an amazing mind screwing over that they've done and mental transformation that they've done is that your identity is, I'm a victim. That makes me black. Not, I'm a victor and I've overcome. That's what makes me black. It's that I'm, I don't know, the whole thing just, it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy that this dude has any standing with black people or, or with just with Christians. He shouldn't mm. have any stand. It's all so unsound. I, I think to answer your question, Jason, um, at a certain point, we are going to have to have a, a, a day of reckoning with respect to the historical legacy and contemporary activity of the so-called black church. Now, I'm, I'm not issue, I'm not Alvin Bragg, I'm not gonna issue a broad indictment that I can't back up with evidence. But for the black churches that see man's greatest uh, source of bondage as income inequality and systemic racism, what follows from that is an entire theology around quote unquote liberation. And, and when you have that type of liberation theology, then to your point, um, blackness is not just sort of a, a social construct, but blackness is an umbrella that has underneath it all different types of quote unquote marginalized and oppressed identities. So, so, so that's why, you know, listening, I heard, a, I saw a different clip of Pearson, I think quote unquote preaching at another church last year and, and he, he included, you know, I think he talked about trans people and oppressed women, and, and it was all about op oppressed identities. Um, and that's why he will say, people like this will say something to the effect of, you know, God, you know Jesus was a, was, a, was, a, was a black man, God is a woman. I'm sure in some churches, particularly those of a, of a pride persuasion, you know, God is trans and bi and lesbian and so on and so forth. Um, so I don't think a lot of us really want to admit that because the black church has, has been f for much of American history, one of the most revered institutions, um, oftentimes nationally, but certainly within the black community, even people who don't go to church have a certain level of reverence and respect for the black church because of the role that it has played both in terms of spiritual formation and in terms of political activism. 
But, but I think what's happened since the 1960s is that the, the spiritual formation of a lot of these churches, I'm not saying all by any stretch, but a lot of these churches, spiritual formation has taken a backseat to social and political activism. And that's why Justin Pearson sounds just like any preacher that you would hear if you were in Washington, D.C. and turned on 96.3 at noon and was listening to a sermon from Rankin Chapel from Howard University. It's the same thing. The Bible is not, you know, the revealed word, reve- revealed word of God. It's not infallible. It's not inerrant. It's a set of stories. All of the New Testament is basically Aesop's fable with, with a thin veneer of religiosity. So the, the, nothing, nothing, it's, not his, it's not history. Um, they, they love prophecy. But what they do with prophecy is not, is not read Old Testament prophecy to understand more about the Messiah, the, the Christ that is to come. It's read Old Testament prophecy to understand more about us, black people in America in 2023. Um, so these, these people, Justin Pearson, there's a guy out here in Virginia, you know, uh, Howard John Wesley, who pastors um, uh, a, 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 church, a black church that the Obamas have, have gone to at times, the William Barbers, the Otis Mosses, the Freddie Haynes. These are people who I call abu, uh, enhanced, they, they engage in enhanced interrogation of the text. Because what they do is they torture the Bible so bad that they get it to say whatever it is that they want it to say. Because they don't believe and they're practicing a syncretic religion where they mix a little bit of Christianity with a whole lot of Democratic Party politics, with um, a, a pound of Afrocentrism. And then they get up in the pulpit and they say that the biggest threat to this country is white Christian nationalism. Um, so, so it's not that these people don't think that the Bible should have any impact on our laws. They just get the Bible to say exactly what their, ben- their party benefactors want them to say. Um, and that gives them a certain sense of, uh, you know, spiritual and, and moral authority. Delano, uh, thank you so much. Uh, Delano will be here in Nashville uh, this yes, weekend at our men's summit. Looking forward to it. Uh, Delano will check back within at, well, we'll check back. He'll be here Friday for the cookout, actually. So we'll check back in with Delano on Friday. Thank you so much. Great job, as always. Uh, Delano's coming for our men's summit. Are you coming for our men's summit? There's still time for you to sign up. Do it right now. Go to Fearless Army rollcall.com. We're going to have a good time uh, this weekend. We're going to inspire each other. We're going to encourage each other. We're going to inform each other. We're going to listen to some good music, eat some good barbecue, socialize, connect, and be given some instruction about what we can do, how we can go back to our hometowns, back to our homes, back to our communities, and be better men and start the process of pulling this country back the right direction. There's still time for you to sign up. Do it today. We're just a few days, three, four days away from the event. FearlessArmyRollCall.com. If you're on the fence, get off the fence. Come stand with some men that want to stand up for America and stand up for your values. We're going to come together across racial lines, economic lines, 
religious lines, all political lines. We're going to come together as men who want to serve God this weekend. You need to be here. My brother's coming. My nephew's coming. My little play brother from Kansas City, he's coming. That really blew my mind. Uh, so, want you there. FearlessArmyRollCall.com. Also, if you're looking to be entertained this weekend, our good friend, Blaze uh, partner, uh, co-worker, Steve Dace, has a movie coming out this weekend. I know you'll want to see it because I've already seen it, and it's good. It's by the same people who made God's Not Dead and Unplanned. It's called Nefarious. If you've seen the posters or trailers, it looks great. If you're like me and you've seen it, you know it's great. It's a little bit scary. It's like a horror film, but it's not. And best of all, it's based on a book by our guy, Steve Dace. It's more like the C.S. Lewis book, The Screwtape Letters. I like to call it Interview with a Demon. A psychiatrist is called into a prison to meet with a convicted killer who's about to be executed. The killer says he's a demon named Nefarious, and the psychiatrist, who doesn't believe in God or demons, has to decide if the man is insane, pretending to be insane, or, uh, I won't give it away, but let's just say that the psychiatrist is a little out of his depth. This supernatural thriller is perfect for your friends who like scary films, but more than that, they love going to church. You're going to have some great conversations afterwards. Nefarious opens nationwide this weekend, starting April 14th. Mark the date and get your tickets now at whoisnefarious.com. That's whoisnefarious.com. We come back. John Hadley is telling me he has secured an interview with Justin Pearson's mama. I can't wait for this. John Hadley, you guys know John Hadley. He's the guy, the guy that, you know, in charge of our little approval rating segments. He says he's landed an interview with Justin Pearson's mom. Atheists, the secular world, the culture uses our imperfection, our sins to take, shut up. You, you're, you can't stand on truth. And if all it was was imperfection, it eliminated us from standing on truth, this would be a very quiet place. I'm trying to be as loud as I can and as transparent as I can to try to inspire other men. We know you're imperfect. You know you're imperfect. God's grace and mercy, mercy gives you the right to stand on his truth and to speak that loudly into the culture. And we, we have to do that. You can look around and say, these guys have taken over everything. They own the CDC, the NIH, they got the president. Is transgender surgery for children? Colleges today are nothing but leftist indoctrination centers working fully against the Bible. What's the alternative? So you're gonna stop fighting today and you're gonna let the government raise your kids? And you're gonna turn around and let them chop off your 12-year-old daughter's breasts and let them sterilize your son and tell him that he's a girl? And you're gonna let them make the Bible hate speech? You're the last line of defense here because nobody else is gonna do it and God's gonna walk with you. This is literally worth dying for. Absolutely. I'm telling you, so it's like everybody, that's a nice little metaphor. This is it. If there's a hill to die on, this is it. The Overton window has been moved right in front of our children's bedrooms. And there are all types of people that are trying to climb up in the ladder. And every good father should be on his post so that when they peek their head up, 
over the, the window sill, you kick the ladder back down, let them know, you, you move on to the other house because we're not playing that around here. Sometimes just standing up, just saying no, we're not going to do that. Not my marriage, not my kids, not my family, not my community, not my church, not my city. Just declaring that, that's victory enough. In prepping his disciples, he tells Peter, he's like, listen, Satan desires to sift you as wheat, but I've prayed for you. We're gonna face some ups and downs in life and we're not gonna always get it together. But if we stay on the path, if we stay chasing after, running after Jesus, running after his way, he's even praying for us. Now, I, I like it when you pray for me, Jason and TJ, I appreciate that, but to have Jesus pray for me, that makes me feel pretty good. When you make it through this sifting process, go back and strengthen your brothers. So we all have a responsibility as men. Once he's delivered me through this, I have a responsibility to go back and bring some other folk out. You do a roll call to just let people know you're not alone, be confident in your positions, and we're gonna inspire you. We're gonna eat, fellowship, listen to some music. It's gonna be the first of many roll calls that we do. So we're looking for soldiers. We're gonna put on our best uh, recruiting pitches for soldiers. So as I told you at the end of last segment, uh, our crack producer, uh, John Hadley, has uh, chased down, allegedly, according to him, he's done some reporting here and some research, and has allegedly lined up an interview for us with uh, Miss Josephine Augustus Pearson, uh, the mother of Justin Pearson, uh, she wants to defend her son, who uh, we just played the video of what he sounded like in college and, and what he sounds like now that he's uh, turned into Dr. Martin Luther Kaepernick. Uh, and so, uh, according to Hadley, and we're, we're about to be joined by uh, Miss Josephine Augustus Pearson, the mother of Justin Pearson. Uh, Ma'am, uh, welcome to Fearless uh, with Jason, Whit <laughs> Jason Whitlock. Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's good to have you. Uh, your son, <laughs> apples don't fall far from trees. I, I see the resemblance. Uh, uh, your son uh, appears quite fraudulent uh, to many of us based on the way he talked and conducted himself in college as opposed to how he's handling himself now. Uh, sir, uh, everybody calls me Miss Joe. I'm the head deaconess at First Methodist African Church of B.B. King and Hot Wings, where you <laughs> may be saved, but the chicken won't. And um, I want to let you know that my son is not a fraud. He's not a joke or a hoax. My son came to me and said, Mother, I want to make a difference. 
I said to him, take two steps forward in making your voice heard. He then said, mother, may I? I said, yes, you may. Because down by the riverside, hanky panky, bullfrogs jump from bank to banky. Yes. Uh, is there a time when you knew uh, that your son was headed uh, for this type of Martin Luther King-like leadership? Did you recognize this early on? You know, I did for a long time. He came to me and said, the thrill is gone. The thrill <laughs> is gone. And I said, Justin, Sunday always comes. Just like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's nothing new. Just look at your calendar. And I said, we will rise. Rise like the great erection. Rise like the erection in the cotton fields. Rise like the trans women in the all-female prisons. We will rise. So that's what I told Justin, and he's been on it ever since. Do you think that Justin could be the next Barack Obama? He's doing an MLK impersonation, but it seems like his star is rising in the political world. Do you see your son perhaps as president one day? You know, uh, Jason... <laughs> I think my son could do whatever he puts his mind to. That is how we raised him and that is how he will go forth. I do believe that my son is greater than Barack. Uh, my son will actually marry a woman, uh, you know, unlike Barack Obama. So I do think that he can be great just like the rest before him can. Yes, yes, yes. Absolutely, sir. Yes. Uh, his sermon uh, that he's given at church where he prays to a mother God and and speaks to his or wants his ancestors to speak through him. Many people are calling this demonic and not biblically sound. Uh, is at, at your church the first African Methodist church of B.B. King and Hot Wings? Is mm -hmm. that scripturally, biblically sound, doctrinally sound, praying to a mother God and, and trying to have your dead ancestors speak through you? Well, uh, Sir, as you know, uh, the Bible says to honor thy mother and father. So when my son said, Mother God, he was talking about me. People got confused, but it was really me he was referring to. And when it comes to the great ancestors, you have to be reminded of the famous words of that old bedrock 
Negro. Yabba dabba do, yabba dabba da. Ha ha he, ha ha ha. All right, Shamika, I've had enough. <laughs> I've had enough. That was pretty good, though. Thank you uh, so much for that. I needed, we needed the lighting to show up. Me and Delano were killing him. I do want to, if you can come out of character, Shamika, I do want to uh, talk about another issue. Uh, <laughs> and I'm one. <laughs> that's. I do want to talk about another issue. Have you seen, have you seen the video? Oh, wow. <laughs> have you seen the video, or I'm going to show you the video, of a woman at Target who got cold copped uh, by security at Target. She tried to demand reparations at Target and was telling some employee at Target that they've lived a life of privilege and she's owned reparations. And anyway, I, I want to get your take on it. Let, let's play the video as this woman gets cold cocked. Four four eight seven. Four four eight twenty one. Repeat. Safer fire. So what happened? She okay. Seems secure at twenty forty six. Okay. Came up. I tried to verbally deescalate. She told me that she wanted to wreck it out, and I told her we couldn't do that. Okay. And then she said, excuse me, and I was like, man, like, I need you to back up or leave, like, but we can't do that for you. So she started charging at me. I came all the way back into my office, into an enclosed space, uh -huh. and I hit her in the face. Okay. All right, you I have it all on video. Ma'am, are you okay? Physically, I'm okay. Emotionally, I am here. Or 40 to 31. Okay. According to the manager's statement, a cashier called over the manager where the suspect was kind of whispering, asking her to make reparations regarding her groceries of over a thousand dollars. The manager told the suspect that if she wanted a donation, she needed to call in the morning. This response led the suspect to become verbally aggressive, screaming, and forcing the manager to back into the cafe counter. A security staff member intervened and told the suspect to calm down before the suspect began backing him into the security office while screaming. Inside the office, the security staff member punched the suspect in self-defense and then called the police. I'm probably, I'm probably wrong for laughing, but anyway, your take was, was this punch justified or problematic? You know, maybe she was hungry, Jason, and that's why he gave her a knuckle sandwich. This is just crazy to me. And listen, I'm starting to think that the whole plan to shut down a lot of these mental institutions, it was on purpose so that they could then take mental instability and use it to push their agenda. What I'm seeing is 
people that would have been locked up or treated medically with some type of pill are now just running rampant and we're giving them these messages to kind of feed and fuel that. When you look at the person that shot the, the bank up in Kentucky, he was 25 years old. How at 25 do you feel so oppressed and depressed unless that's being fed to you constantly on a consistent basis. We had kids walk out of the school, I think it was last week, you know, talking about gun violence. And me and some of the people that I graduated with, we were saying, it's not that we were like slow, right? Because we never did any of this type of stuff when we were in high school. It seems like we were even unaware of a lot of what was maybe was going on. And I thought to myself, I just think we didn't have this message of oppression that we were fed day after day after day. I think that we went to school, we learned exactly what we needed to learn to be productive citizens in the world. And we were actually told that we could be anything that we put our minds to. So it was about us learning and becoming smarter so that we could be great, opposed to thinking that our skin color or even for myself, a, a female, my gender could hold me back. That's not what our teachers taught us uh, 20, 30 years ago. Now that's constantly being given to these kids. And this is a grown woman who I think I mean, she looks like she may be 40-ish in her 40s, late 30s. You know, I'm probably being generous. But, but you're right in terms of there's constant messaging. I would bet, and I hate to make generalizations without uh, knowing for sure, but I, I would bet this woman watches MSNBC on a loop. Mm -hmm. And I bet Joy Reid is and Al Sharpton and that group of people on MSNBC are constantly feeding her about reparations and what she's owed and how she's oppressed and how she's a victim. She, she literally let's play the clip of her saying that this was her Rosa Parks moment. Now, this is her Rosa Parks moment. Rosa Parks refused to give up her seat on a bus and sit in the blacks only section. This woman is at Target with more than a thousand dollars worth of goods saying she wants reparations. Let's watch her make this demand about, or make these statements about this is her Rosa Parks moment. To have a money conversation, we are subjugated and locked out of things. We have decided we are not gonna have a bigger conversation. I decided to take a stand. This is my Rosa Parks moment, dude. <laughs> then she says that, you know, she accuses the officer of being a gatekeeper holding her down. Let's play that. You know what, you know what happened here. I know, I just watched the video. I asked to open a conversation and he's still blocking me out and you guys are protecting him. Ma'am, you... Chase the one employee all the way to the front, okay? You made contact with her body by pushing your body into hers. I just watched it clear as day on the video. Okay. He then came out and you followed him all the way back here. Okay. Making him fear for his safety. You backed him into an office and you got hit in the face, unfortunately. When people who are backed into a corner, they can choose, no, no, they can choose to do the right thing or they can choose to lash out. 
Okay, you were in the wrong here, just so we're I clear. held the line. You didn't hold and the I, line. No, no, I, I moved my line continuously. I asked, and when they did not respect, they were gatekeeping me. Like the whole world has kept people. Man, you were and free to leave at any time. Absolutely. But you didn't. Absolutely. So because it wasn't you amplified right. the situation. No, no, you wanted something When the for laws free. are not right, you, wanted something you make a stand so they can change. Are you ready to go outside? If the laws are meant to hold people down, you will fight for me, my community. Okay, let's go outside. Okay. You will come for me. Okay, let's go outside. I'm trying to give you the chance right now, just like before. You're, you're elevating the situation, but it doesn't need to be. It's already done. It's not done. It's done. Absolutely Tonight not. Tonight is done. No, it's not. You're not. Your pe people that look like you are done trying to gatekeep people that look like me. No, ma'am. <laughs> She's been <laughs> radicalized. And, and I know this is humorous, but it's really sad. It, it, it's, we have played such a horrible mental game on people and convinced them that this country and every white person they run into is a gatekeeper oppressing them. She accused an employee working at Target of being privileged and holding her down. I, I, it's sad <laughs> what we've done. And, and I mean, you can look at the state of California, it looks like they're going to actually perhaps give people reparations. And so, she, she's being justified here by, you know, I don't know, I think this happened in Ohio, uh, but she, she's being justified here by politicians all over the country, but particularly out in California, and by everybody on MSNBC. She's owed something, and, and all white people owe her something, even the ones working at Target. They all have a better life than her, and they all, you know, are awesome and great, and if she could just have money, she could be like them. It's it. This is like Al Qaeda and and who the Taliban radicalizing people. That's what's being done to us. Yeah, and she speaks very well. She sounds like a college-educated woman. She sounds like Joy Reid or Nicole Hannah-Jones, Jamel Hill. She sounds like any of these Professor Crump that would actually get on some stage or get before a room full of people and speak professionally, and you would think they actually have some type of sense because she sounds sensible in you know in some aspects not necessarily what she's saying but in her ability to communicate she sounds college educated and so yes they have been radicalized and it's frustrating because i want black people to see and this is not me saying whether or not i believe we're old reparations or not old reparations it's whether or not i actually think they will give it to black people and when you have a president or had a black Black president for eight years and you got nothing. 
I don't understand how we still think that they aren't playing with us and pulling our strings and making us puppets. You know, we're right here the year before another big election and we're ramping up the talk just like we did right before 2020, just like they did right before 2016. It's always the same thing over and over again. And so it looks like California, you know, may do it. I just don't see them putting $5 million in the hands of, of regular black folks. I just I just don't see that. And I think it's just another trick employ to keep us on the string and to keep us acting ridiculous like this woman will, uh, this woman did. And honestly, Jason, if she was more determined to push away from the table, she wouldn't have that small child dangling from her arm the way that she did. It's... <laughs> It's you know what I said? She got she's she's a woman you want to see in the kitchen on Thanksgiving and Christmas because she can get bacon grease out of one and maple syrup out of the other. <laughs> exactly. I want let's play the last clip so I maybe of of her finally getting arrested. Let let's play that one. Is either A, we can walk out peacefully, or B, we can do it in cuffs. Why was he not, no, why was he not being arrested? And because he said he could have called the cops, he realized he had a choice in that and moment. And chased him into his office. So here's the okay, we're done. I need you to turn around, put your hands behind your back. You're under arrest. Sure. Thank you. Violate my rights as a human being to protect the law. Do you have anything on your person that's going to poke us, prod us, or cut us? No? Okay. Do you not watch this and go, this can't be real? This has to be a setup that she's an actor or she's just putting together social media content? Is, is, this, is this actually real? Would somebody really go to Target and act this kind of fool? If you aren't the sweetest grape in the bunch, yes, you will actually go to Target and act like this kind of fool. This is like those that you see fighting in Walmart in their uh, pajama pants and bonnets. You know, we see this type of foolishness every day. She just looks a little more put together, sounds a little bit more together than many of them. But this is an embarrassment. And I hope she doesn't have any children that she's actually passing this foolishness down to. Thank you, Shamika. Going to let you go. Uh, great job, as always. Tell Miss Josephine Augustus Pearson uh, hello and thank her for uh, coming on the show as well. This reparations thing, I go back and forth. Uh, you know, I could see California being dumb enough to do it. I don't know how California taxpayers, it seemed like if I, I would immediately evacuate California before I would be a part of paying those taxes to to give away money and th this isn't me saying this well Jason it's easy for you to say you you, you wealthy you done made money and blah 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 if I was broke I don't I, I, I don't want government handouts it's going to destroy this country it's going to further divide this country 
People lost their lives, sacrificed their lives, generations ago, sacrificed their lives for our freedom to end slavery. There's been a million programs from Head Start to Affirmative Action to all, to all these diversity, equity, inclusion departments and all the corporate America that all these black women have gotten. And now, oh, we're going to cut a check and, and I know people are going to celebrate it and think, oh, this is well earned and we didn't. Who earned it? Not us. And I'm just sorry. I lived in America. I was not oppressed. Did everything happen positively throughout my time in America? Absolutely not. Was, was there some unfairness? Absolutely. Was some of the unfairness perhaps based in racism? Yes. But that's true of everybody. Everybody. Asians, white people, Mexican people, everybody faces unfairness in life. Someone cutting me a big check for it based off the suffering that somebody did 150 years ago or even 80 years ago. It's not good. It's not good. It's not going to take us to a good place. All right. When we come back, <clears throat> we have another uh, audience member, not to Neil. To Neil says she can't meet our requirements for when she can take. But we got another audience member who wants to step up and challenge me on my thoughts. I filled out uh, an approval score on the movie Air, the Michael Jordan Nike movie. Uh, and we have another uh, audience member that wants to challenge me on that. His name's Christian Bezak, I believe. Lives in North Carolina. We'll do that next. And then we'll end the show. Christian Bezak, next. All right, if you've been paying attention, you've been hearing me talk about uh, our 77-year-old producer, John Hadley, and his attempt uh, to get uh, the audience more involved in the show. Uh, Hadley works out of a nursing home in uh, St. Louis, and he emails in and calls in suggestions. And so we've been trying to make the audience a part of the show at Hadley's uh, request. And so Hadley has discovered another uh, audience member who has downloaded the approval rating app, who has a stupid opinion about the movie Air. I'm gonna talk in detail about the movie Air probably tomorrow with, I've had Pastor Anthony go see it, we've had Bryson Gray go see it, Steve Kim has gone to see it. Uh, but before we do any of that, we're gonna let the audience go first. Uh, an audience member, Fearless Army soldier Christian Bezik, Bezik, Bezik. Uh, Bezik. Christian, say your last name. Uh, Bezik. Bezik. Uh, Christian has overrated the Air movie about Nike. He's given it a 79, a smoke show. Uh, I completely disagree with your take. This movie was a joke. Uh, it was very matriarchal. Michael Jordan's mother is the Woman King Part Two, played by Viola Davis. The, the whole Michael Jordan's dad looks like a simp and a wimp. 
uh, Howard White looks like a simple-minded, foot-shuffling, nothing to offer, and, and Mike, all we see is the back of Michael Jordan's head. I gave the movie a 57. You gave it a 79. Christian, uh, defend your rating. Yeah, so I'm with you, man. I, I get it. The uh, you know you have the Adidas jackets. Uh, you would assign with Adidas. I'm not going to hold you against that in this rating. Um, but the <laughs> um, this is a simpler time, man. This is the '80s. This is back when Nike was uh, you know sponsoring athletes. Uh, what what a novel time. Uh, but the uh, I really look at the movie from a different aspect. I I think that some of your criticism was fair. But really, it's a focus on creative types being able to monetize what they do and actually get a cut of the pie. So kind of like, you know, when the whole thing happened with Steven Crowder, I know you did a two and a half hour episode on that, which was longer than the movie I watched a week ago. Um, And I think that that's really what, you know, speaks to my heart is the idea of even if there are a few aspects that even when I looked up the film, they leaned in on, for example, Uh, Michael Jordan's mom more than was actually historically accurate. But I do like the idea of family um, and, you know, being involved with that. He was just 18 or 19 at the time. Uh, And I do like the idea of people being able to be compensated for the brand that they actually bring uh, to a company. Mm. Uh, Christian, you did better than I anticipated, (laughs) but I I just want to go back to again. Yeah, I think it's easy for you to say, easier for you to say than me. As a black man, I get so much of this worship of black women. The fact that they, when they got Michael Jordan's mother pretending like she's a housewife in Wilmington, North Carolina, and she's telling Nike, yeah, there ain't gonna be no deal unless my baby gets a percentage of every shoe sold. Like she's Lamar Jackson's mama in 1984, that's just a pill I couldn't swallow. It was off-putting to me. And the, again, Michael Jordan's daddy was too simple. Howard White was way too simple. And we got to see the back of Michael Jordan's head. I just couldn't buy it. So I'm going to end with this very simple question. Do you think his mama came up with the idea of, yeah, my baby's going to get a percentage of every shoe So She changed the entire shoe industry. Uh, no, he, he must have had a good agent. Um, but I, I think that's a lot of points to be putting off. Um, I looked up on Screen Rant and all the, the websites. It looks like um, she did play a role in trying to give him advice about how Nike was just a better option. But it did seem like the uh, agent played a bigger role, certainly, than in the movie. Mm. All right. Thank you, Christian. Good job. I will have to give it to him. Michael Jordan, take him off screen. We've had enough, Hadley. Uh, Get him off screen. Uh, I will say this. I did read and do remember that Michael Jordan's mother did insist that he take the meeting with Nike. That was her contribution to the process. David Falk, the super agent, put the deal together. Anyway. Hadley, you're, you're off the hook for it. Christian Bazek might be the best uh, of all these guys. He, he had a pretty sound argument. Uh, Art Christian that works here said he liked him. I kind of liked him. Uh, he did a good job. Play tomorrow. We'll see you tomorrow. Downtown, downtown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for-